Well, welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. It's a pleasure to welcome Michael Hewson, who's the founder and director of Graphene Economics, to the show today. Uh, Michael's just given a, a really interesting discussion to Gibbs, um, a, quite a big audience of, of professionals and, and uh, corporates, um, and they were talking about this move towards a 15% global minimum tax rate. It's a big ticket item. It's an important item. Um, the jury is out on how much emerging markets are going to benefit, but the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development um, estimates that the minimum tax will generate $150 billion in additional global tax revenues annually. Um, so, Michael, maybe if we can start there, um, is this $150 billion something that's actually going to benefit a country like South Africa? Good day, Evan, and good day to the, the listeners, and thank you very much for having me on, on the show today. Uh, so I think that that's a, a very interesting question, and it's really helpful to understand uh, what this relates to and how this all fits uh, fits together. So perhaps if I just take a, a step back briefly, and, and then yeah. I will get, uh, get to the answer yeah. of that, if that's okay. Yes, yes. So this uh, this uh, global minimum tax it's part of a, uh, an OECD uh, initiative a, a two pillar uh, solution to address tax challenges arising from the digitalization of the economy now as we all know uh, the the world has moved considerably in, in the area of digitization over the last uh, couple of, of decades uh, we we we're working differently we're working remotely uh, businesses are conducting uh, are constructing and manufacturing things differently with robotics and artificial intelligence uh, there's also um, uh, digitized uh, identity and uh, online identity that's created so all of these features coming together means that nowadays it's possible to create value in a particular uh, uh, country or region, yeah. even though you may not have a physical presence in that country. So this creates the, the big tax problem that we have that, well, the tax rules that have been in place for, for decades and decades is generally source-based or residence-based. And it looks very much at where there is a presence of a person or a, an, an entity. But now the fact that we can create a digital presence somewhere else or a remote presence creates certain challenges. So the question is, how do we go about um, picking up or taxing, uh, you know, revenues or income or profit that is, uh, is, is, is perhaps removed from where there is a physical presence of, of a person? So this has led to a lot of work uh, being done in this particular area. And it's also important to note that it's a project that's being commissioned from the highest level. It's the, the G20 finance yeah. ministers that commissioned this project. It was all the way back. In, um, in 2012, that they got together and commissioned this project, which then started in 2013. It actually started, um, you know, in, in the wake of the global financial crisis, where revenue authorities were saying, well, that there's a lot of expenditure and they, they need to, to raise revenues for, for, for um, you know, government expenditure, but they can't tax their own economies more, so, so they need to, to look at, at other sources. And the big focus became on multinationals, which had, had, had spread across various different territories. The, the G20 commissioned the work. The OECD uh, focused on um, base erosion and profit shifting and, and identifying 15 action items uh, that, that could address this. One of them, uh, notably the action item, action point one, was on looking at uh, addressing the, the risks uh, associated with um, the digitization of the economy. Fast forward to um, well, 2015, those 15 reports were, were finalized. Um, the action one, uh, you know, a lot of work then began from about 2017 to drill down to, to say, well, how do we go about focusing on the, the taxation of the 
uh, digitization of the economy, uh, that two pillars uh, emerged. So one was on, on looking at saying, well, there, there's some really, really big multinationals uh, that have a presence in multiple, uh, you know, various different countries, and um, they they don't always have a, a very significant physical presence in those countries. So let's let's um, see how to, to tax those. Then there, there is, was pillar two, which said, well, actually, there's also a number of territories where entities that have a presence there are actually taxed at low levels of taxation. So, um, you know, sometimes 0%, 2%, or 5%, very low levels. How do we raise that level so it gets to a minimum um, you know, level of taxation? That was then seen as pillar two. A lot of work has been done since then, and there's, there's been lots, lots of input from, from various different stakeholders. Uh, pillar one, in a nutshell, has got two components. Uh, the, the first component deals with um, companies, multinational companies, that have consolidated turnover exceeding 20 billion euros. So it's uh, the really, really biggest uh, companies in the world. It excludes companies in the regulated financial services sector, and um, companies in the extractive sector. So, so we have the um, apples and the Starbucks of the world, right? Um, that are exactly, everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You're 100 percent right, Evan. <laughs> and, and it looks at saying those companies that um, that have 20 billion um, euros in in, uh, in revenue that earn uh, levels of profit, so uh, profit uh, operating profit as a percentage of sales above 10 percent. Well. Right. The, the, the profit above 10%, 25% of that surplus profit yes. needs to be reallocated to what's defined as market territories. Now, markets, uh, territories or countries, that, that's where they, they might um, have a, a market where people use or consume their, their goods or, or services. So they may not actually have an operation, a company or a branch registered in that, in that country, but they have users that are, are using their, their products and services. Yeah. And so that then needs to um, a portion of the surplus profit needs to be reallocated to to that market. So that's the the idea there. Then there's this this uh, second element, which is uh, to, to say uh, it's regarded as amount B of pillar one. To say well, a number of uh, really large companies they've got distribution activities. So let's try to simplify things for for them and for revenue authorities. And let's determine what is a, a routine return for these baseline distribution activities. And the idea is the OECD is going to go and uh, get benchmarking uh, um, studies done and indicate for different regions, this is the return that should be earned by um, baseline routine distribution entities in those markets. Right. Now, as you can imagine, even there's inherently, uh, you know, there's a number of interesting questions that, that arise, you know, what falls in the category of of a routine, what falls outside yeah. of it. The OECD has given some guidelines and, and definitions on, on that, but, you know, we, we, we operating in a world where industries, they collide and they, they, they yeah. overlap. So, uh, you know, some companies are just, um, you know, more digitized than, than others. Some, some involve more uh, brick and mortar uh, type um, uh, presence and operations. So, you know, exactly where a company will fit in will also uh, be, be left to, to debate as well. So that's the, the idea on, on amount B. And then we get to, to the question that you asked on this global minimum tax, which is actually, um, the, that's pillar two. Now that goes about saying that companies and the threshold here is quite different, Evan. So it's, 
companies that have a revenue uh, consolidated revenue of more than 750 million euros I see. they are in scopia i see and you've then got to look at each country that they're operating and see uh, are they paying a minimum of 15 percent corporate income tax in that country to the extent that they are not and it's lower than that and then the effective tax rate in that country is lower than that there needs to be a top-up tax paid now the, the, the starting point that there's, there's three elements of this um, the, the starting point of this is that the top-up tax gets paid in the ultimate parent entity country now that goes to to, to the heart of your, your question if for some reason the rules are not in place in that uh, ultimate parent entity country um, and, and that that's regarded as the income inclusion rule where that top-up tax is paid to the ultimate parent entity country if those rules are not in place then there's a, um, a second element that that's, um, could, could catch the, um, the, the, the lower tax um, the profit, which is the undertaxed payment rule, which means that any other country um, you know, higher up in the value chain that um, has, has introduced these undertaxed payment rules could earn the top-up tax. Then there's a third element, which is subject to tax rule, uh, which is you know, payments um, made to that lower income, um, lower taxed country, could uh, could also be be subject to additional tax, but in a nutshell, these payments are going to be made uh, as a starting point to uh, to the ultimate parent entity country. Now, most of the companies that fall within this category are not based in developing countries; they are, they are in the, the more developed countries. Correct. So, that's actually going to uh, result in um, the, the 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 top up tax being paid. Uh, to other countries. They are probably um, in the region of about 75 or so companies in South Africa that have um, uh, that are headquartered here with revenues uh, above 750 million euros, but the vast majority is, is outside. outside. So the, the benefit, and coming back to your question that, that you asked at the outset, for amount A, um, well, for, for pillar one and for pillar two, there has been um, there has been a little bit of impact assessment that's been done. Uh, well, the OECD did an impact assessment for multiple countries across the world, but that was using old data, 2016 yep. data, and hasn't been uh, updated uh, subsequent. South Africa has not had a publicly available impact assessment that's that's been done and, and communicated publicly, which means that uh, it's really difficult to to gauge what the potential benefit of all of this is to South Africa and, and other parts of, of Africa. Our estimates indicate that certainly for amount A, the, the benefit is, uh, is, is negligible, especially since, and this is based on discussions with um, both um, uh, uh, government-related stakeholders uh, in, in various countries um, and also multinationals who this would apply to, the cost of compliance is is significant. The complexity of these calculations yep. is really, really tremendous. So the potential benefit, certainly from amount A, relative to the complexity of putting this together, is uh, is, is questionable, especially without any uh, publicly available impact assessment at this stage for South Africa. And that, of course, um, means that some of these African countries may have to give up potential digital services taxes, um, you know, uh, for for this limited potential benefit. Hundred percent right. This is a, a, a prerequisite for this deal going ahead. 
that um, digital services taxes need to, to be given up Give uh, by anyone signing up to, to this deal. And that is exactly why Kenya and Nigeria have refused to sign this, this deal because they, they've currently implemented uh, these digital services uh, taxes and they are collecting revenue. I think Kenya is getting it from about 89 different companies at this stage. Um, and they, they, they believe that um, they will be giving up more than they will be gaining. Well, I see 137 countries have, have signed a deal, um, have signed this deal moving towards this global minimum tax. Um, and I do think the one element listening to you, uh, Michael, is that the, the certainty that's created is quite positive. I think creating the tax certainty is important for corporates out there. And there's a potential benefit, uh, for companies, you know, relating to that certainty. Um, and in South Africa, we've just brought our corporate tax rate down. So, you know, that certainty, I think, is one of the positives created by this. There is a degree of certainty. There's also a massive amount of complexity. Yeah. So um, I, I think yeah, you know any corporate that I've spoken to that that has been looking at at this um, needs to go and get, especially for pillar two, go and calculate and gather information that they never had to obtain previously, yep. and make various adjustments. And um, it, it, it'll take a, a huge effort to to get the numbers. And and many companies that that might be operating in countries where they do not pay less than 15% tax, they will still need to, to put these systems in place to be able to demonstrate that they're not paying less than 15% tax in these countries. Brilliant. Now, Michael, thanks for that rundown. It is complex. We have covered it in, in business day law and tax and, uh, and the complexity is, is quite significant. Uh, thanks for that, that advice. And, um, and, and we really appreciate you looking into so much detail into these aspects and the application of these aspects and, um, and what the impact may be down the line. So thanks for that. Great chatting to you. Evan, love chatting to you as well.